Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Again. He's done it again. Yes, he has. Giving away so much knowledge just to help you succeed walk out of the middle class become a multi-millionaire he is giving away his book just for you the name of that book the richest man in the trash can you want to make sure you get this book here's why if you are someone who is tired frustrated irritated of the day-to-day schedule of waking up going to work going back home, going to sleep, just to do it all over again, not being able to spend time with your family, you just got married, you just had kids, or you take care of your parents and you're not there to do it, this is the book for you. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, this book is free 99. Yes, you heard me, free 99. Okay? <laughs> all you for free. Yes, free 99. All you have to do is just pay shipping and handling. That's it. $9.95 just to get your free book. This book is a life changer. I'm trying to tell you guys everything in this book is what Antonio taught myself in grace that enabled us to retire. Yes, we are retired and we haven't even hit our 40s yet. Woo! I'm just saying. I got a few months to go. Don't worry about it. Shh. Don't nobody need to know that, girl. (laughs) You don't look it. That's it. Go get it. Go get it and walk yourself out of the middle class into the life you deserve. Walk yourself into abundance. Abundance is freedom and this book is your journey out. You can plant better. You can dominate. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining me for Branding and Cashflow. This evening, we are going to be talking about are you a brand or are you a commodity? A brand is... When you're doing branding, you're differentiating yourself as a product or a company from others. As a commodity, a commodity is a type of product manufactured by a particular company under a particular name. 
Uh, for example, when you go into a store, you walk into the dairy section. There are different brands there, but milk is a commodity. We have a tendency to just grab commodities because it, they're in abundance. There's so much of them. But when it comes to a certain type of cereal that you eat, or when it comes to a certain type of coffee that you drink, or a certain type of medicine that you purchase, we go by brand names. So my question to you is, are you a brand or are you a commodity? In my research, one of the things that stuck out to me is uh, a definition of marketing that I heard. It said, marketing is building a brand in the mind of the customer. Marketing is building a brand in the mind of a customer. So as you're marketing, what, is the, what, what does your customer see when they see you? Just like we've used the example before, Nike. What does a, cu a customer see when they think Nike? What does a customer see when they think Adidas? What does a customer think when they see clinics? Do we think tissue or do we think clinics? Tylenol, do we think acetaminophen or do we think Tylenol? So marketing is building a brand in the mind of a customer. Now, most products are bought. They're not sold. And they're bought because of their brand. When you go into any type of store, your shoe stores are starting to do it now. It seems like all stores are turning into just big Walmarts. There's an abundance of a certain type of commodity that's available to you where you can just go in and grab it. But what makes the, what makes the brand names get pulled before just picking a regular brand? One of the uh, examples that I've heard that I really like is when it comes to coffee. There, there is no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have some people that they just walk into a corner store and grab coffee just to keep them awake or because they have a taste for coffee. But then you have some people that go to the same corner store every morning because that's the only corner store that sells community coffee. They're going for the brand not because it's the closest corner store that sells the coffee. Not because it's the only corner store that sells coffee, but they go because it's a specific brand. So my question to you is, are you a brand or are you a commodity? Now, again, branding is differentiating your product or company from others. So how do you differentiate yourself? In your, in your market, how do you differentiate yourself from others? Phil and Susan are consultants, but they differentiate, they differentiate themselves because they are the, the original, the one and only humor consultants. So the commodity would be going online and Googling consultants, business consultants. But the brand, humor consultants, when, they, when someone goes online and they're looking for a consultant and they purposely type in humor consultants, they're searching for the brand. So has your marketing branded you to a point where when people go online, they're looking for you and you only? Have you built your brand in the mind of your customers to a point where the only when they go online, they go to search for you? When they log into their social media, they're looking to see what's next up, up for you. Nothing happens until someone brands something. And the selling is in the brand. There's no more people going out to sell things. There's people searching for a brand and then purchasing. Think about it. When you, go, when you go online to search, where do you go? When you have a specific thing in mind, who do you look for? When you walk into a store, what do you search for? Do you look for a brand or do you just look for the random thing that comes up? 
I know me. When I go for Pop-Tarts, I go for the brand. Because anything else, my son's going to look at me crazy. When you purchase toilet paper, do you purchase random, a random brand? Or do you, do you look for Charmin? Do you look for Scott? Like, this is, this, is the, this is what I want you to think of when you're branding your company. I'm going to give an example. In, in my research, there, there was an example that was brought up. And I thought it was amazing because I never thought of this. When you think of Ford and you think of Chevy, what do you think? You think of trucks and you think of cars. You think of the, the Chevy Camaro. But as far as branding goes, how have they branded themselves? Ford and Chevy have actually become a commodity because they're in mass production. But when you think of companies like Lamborghini or Ferrari, they're, they're limited in their production. Their brand is so strong that the value of that brand exceeds anything. If somebody sees you driving around in a Lamborghini or if they see you driving around in a Ferrari, your personal value goes up. Because in their mind, oh, you have a Lamborghini, you have a Ferrari. That means your, your brand is like this. But if you're just driving around in a Ford or a Chevy, it's like, oh, okay, that's a nice truck. Now, mind you, don't get it twisted. I love me a Ford F-150 four-door crew cab. Let's just get it understood. I've always wanted one. I'm going to get one one day. <laughs> when you have kids, you want something big because they come with a lot. <laughs> But even before that, I always wanted a truck. But think about it. Are you the Ford or are you the Lamborghini? Have you branded yourself to the point where your value is massive or have you done so much massive production where you're just a commodity? And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about brands versus commodities. Too much of one thing makes it a commodity, not a brand. The gentleman, um, the book I was reading, the gentleman used Rolex, the Rolex watch as an example. I can't, and he said, can you sell a Rolex for $100? Like, yeah, I'm sure you could sell a $100 watch. Because its value is so high. The, the Rolex brand means a lot. But if it's mass produced, it starts to lose its value. So what about you? Are you so mass produced where you lose value? Or is your brand so strong that when someone hears the Vastin East brand, when someone hears, when someone hears your brand, when they hear human consultants, when they hear Lady Maya, is the brand so strong to where the value is so high because you're not so mass produced? How strong is your, how strong is your brand? Like, do people search specifically for you or your product like you do others? So tonight we're going to have an open discussion. And I want each, each one of you to really think about, there you go, be specific, be exclusive, exclusivity. And I want each of tonight, I want each of you to think of ways that you can build your brand to a point where you remain a brand and you don't become a commodity. You're not mass produced. And again, I'll use humor consultants. Consulting is a commodity. But the brand of humor consultants, who, who else do you know that does what Phil and Susan does? Who else do you know that has the compassion and the caring that they, that they have? Who else do you know that has the extensive history that they do in their market 
There are consultants everywhere. But is there a Phil and Susan everywhere? So how can you how can you build yourself to be a brand and not a commodity? Yes, sir, Mr. Phil. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. You first start by exceeding expectations of everybody you work with so that you're unique. Find out what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. That way you'll stand out. That way you'll be different. And then everything from handouts. Again, I, haven't, I have not given a speech, no matter what it was, without having a handout, which has our logo on it, which is our brand, which they take home with them. I had, a, I had a van where I had Huber consultants on all four sides. I even had Huber consultants on the roof because I read one of Harvey McKay's books to put your logo on the roof of your trucks because how many people are second story and higher would look down and you're the only logo they'd see. So I literally had my logo at the top, top of my trucks and that got me business. Um, every time you walk out of the house, you got that look that you're wanting to make. Because I can't tell you, thank you, I can't tell you how many times that I've picked up business standing in the grocery store line. I just got off the phone a couple of days ago from a friend from IBM. I met him. They happened to put me next to him on the plane. Ended up doing a bunch of business with IBM. So, you know, make sure your brand is consistent to what you are. And then there's subsets of brands. Like, for instance, there's fruits and vegetables. That's a commodity. But there's organic fruits and vegetables. That's a subset of a commodity. Now, is it a brand? Sort of. Organic fruits and vegetables is sort of a brand, but there's no dull organic fruits and vegetables, a specific one. Um, so that's some of the ideas, but, but the best way is be really good at what you do so that you under-promise and over-deliver. And the client is so thrilled about what you brought to the table that they, they want to do more business with you, and then they want to recommend you to other people. I was on all the TV stations in Columbus at one point or another. I, I was on the top FM station every Monday morning for seven years. And that's because I went to a trade show and they had a booth at a trade show and I started talking to the DJ because he was new in town and he wanted to create what he called community radio. And I fit, happened to just fit right in. You know, really make a commitment that you're going to make a difference whenever you're doing anything and people will remember you want more from you because you helped them out one time so if you get to know them a little bit better then who knows you could probably help them out even more definitely thank you so much mr phil thank you very much when you think of a brand what stands out with that brand just like just like phil said he had sign he had a sign on the top of his van i would have never that's something new i that's i wouldn't have thought of that because anyone who is two or three stories up, when they look down, they see you. Over-deliver. If your brand is always over-delivering, you stand out. You differentiate yourself from the others. Again, it's just like a Ford and a Lamborghini. You see trucks everywhere, but how often do you see a Lamborghini? What are you doing to make yourself a brand and not a commodity? What is that one thing that makes your brand so small that when I'm so excuse me, so strong that when people go online, they go to search you to see what you have going on because they want what you have because you have branded yourself so strong. Think of, think of someone who is in your industry at this very moment whose brand is so strong that they're known all around the world. What are they doing? Yes, ma'am and Susan. On another note, um, with our coaching program, we put a twist on that too. 
And we've been doing that for 25 years or more. And instead of calling it coaching, we are coaches. And that's part consultant, part coach. And we term ourselves as growth, profit, and enjoyment advisors. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've never heard coaching before. That's that's strong branding. You didn't because we made it up. See? <laughs> I'm honest, I've never heard of coaching until I met Phyllis Susan. And it's it's something that that's that stays with you. When you, well, you hear get, it. I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. You get a consultant and a coach. You get two for one. Buy one, get one free. Bio uh, <laughs> or however that is. Be Bogo. Bogo, there we go. Bogo. Well, there's a that's a brand, I guess. Bogo's a uh, a brand. I'm in the midst of trying. I don't know if I shared with you that I got a uh, dental office that hired me to do a day program at the end of March. They heard me speak 30 years ago, and he calls me up and he says, "I want to do something with my people." I say, "Well, I'm much better now." And he started to laugh, but now that we've got the great uh, coronavirus impacting all of our lives i'm trying to reposition myself that instead of me coming up there we do an online version where he's not going to do much dental work so he's going to have his people they're not going to be doing much he's going to pay he's going to be paying them so now's the time to really dive deep into some consulting work and some some work where we help them get real understanding of organizational health you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's health and there's strategy. Strategy is marketing, sales, technology. Health is minimal politics and confusion, high morale and productivity and low turnover. Well, you can have health, but if you don't have smart, you can, you can work through that. But if you have smart, I mean, but don't have healthy, you ain't going to make it. So that's one of the things. So the first thing I did is I had his top five people fill out our questions for customizing, and I got those. So now I have that information to then build on, and I'll go back to him and say, well, here's what your people told me. Let's try doing this and expand it and do it online so we don't have to wait until this coronavirus leaves. We can start digging deeper into it right now. So that's how I'm trying to reposition myself with the, with the uh, office. So you just gotta be creative. You gotta love what you do. You gotta really deep inside, and I was very kind of you that you pointed out that Susan and I are people that want to make a difference in other people's lives. And if, and if you approach with that, that kind of intent, then you'll create your brand. And everybody I see on this call tonight are those kind of people. So then it just comes to doing it again and again and again and again. It's how many times do you put yourself in front of people to let them know that you're, you're, you're a brand and not a commodity. So everything degenerates to work. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Mr. Phil. Thank you. And you brought up something that every strong brand knows how to do. A strong brand knows how to continue in adversity. If you are a speaker, but you can't speak, how does your brand stand against that? How does your brand stand against can't going in, not able to go into public areas? Because you have the coronavirus. There's been other things that have come up. Is your brand strong enough to withstand that? Or are you a commodity that when people look at you, they're like, well, you know what? It's not really a necessity. I'll just get it when I get it. Or are you that brand that when people look at you, they're like, I have to have that. Like Vicks, Vicks Vapor Rub, there are other, there are other brands. But if you, if you go and you look for it, you're only going to look for Vicks. Any off brand, you're gonna be like, that's not Vicks. That's I don't know what that is, but it's not Vicks. When it comes to Tylenol, do you buy actual Tylenol or do you look for a set of Fetamin? Do you buy Motrin or do you look for ibuprofen? When you go out and shop for your clothes, is there a certain clothes like if you think about it, shirts, shoes, pants, underwear, whatever, they're commodities. You don't, unless that's who you are, you don't look for a specific brand. You just look, you look for what fits, what looks nice, and what's comfortable. 
But when it comes to the food that you put in your body or when it comes to a certain status that you want, you look for a specific type of brand. For those who work out, yeah, they're tennis shoes, but, every, but if you ever go to a gym and pay attention to the shoes that people wear, I guarantee you 95% of them are wearing Nike. If you ever pay attention to anyone who's on a basketball court, I guarantee you 95% of them are wearing Jordans. Is your brand strong? Or is your brand just a commodity? Are you something that people scan over or do you make people stop and look at you because you're something they have to have? Because your name has such a strength to it that they have to have you, not just any consultant. They have to have the connotes of humor consultant, humor consultants. Is your brand strong enough or are you a commodity? Yeah, I was in business for about two years and a client called me up and they wanted to have me, but I was already booked at that date. So they literally changed their meeting date so they could have me. I remember saying to myself, hmm, I may have a future in this business if they're willing to do that. But, but we all have to understand we're, we're, you know, you're hearing this now in terms of the uh, coronavirus, the gig worker. They're talking about, you know, what if you're a gig worker? Well, every one of us, that's what we are. We are gig workers. So that's why we have to be very cognizant and get our names out there and be different and be unique, especially during these challenging times. That's why we're gonna cover uh, how to enjoy being your best at the uh, Bureau of Dominic Speakers in a little bit. That's what we're gonna go over. How do you be your best and then how do you enjoy being your best? And enjoying yourself during these challenging times can make you unique in itself. They're going, boy, everybody else is not having fun. This guy's positive and he's optimistic and he has hope. Man, I wanna be around him. It's like the two shoe salesmen they send to Africa. One shoe salesman comes back and says, this is a terrible territory. Nobody wears any shoes. Second shoe salesman comes back and says, boy, this is a great territory. Nobody wears any shoes. Hmm. It's all how you look at it. Definitely. Thank you, Mr. Phil. Now, there was something. Positivity is extremely contagious. People are drawn to positivity. So every single, and I'm saying that for a reason, every single brand that you're attracted to, look at their average, look at their marketing. See, the thing with marketing today is marketing and branding are literally now one. If you are marketing, you are branding. If you are branding, you are marketing. Maya, every time you're on this call, what do you hear people say about you? They talk about your smile. They talk about your positivity. They talk about how it draws them in, how you're just, you're, you're, you're just this big ball of light and positivity. That's your branding. That's your marketing. When Vastine opens his mouth, everybody gets quiet because they know whatever's about to come out of his mouth is going to be all wisdom. That's your branding. That's your marketing. Phil and Susan, humor consultants. And every time they open their mouths, they're only speaking positivity into you. They only want the best for you. That is their branding. That is their marketing. Miss Michelle pours her heart out every time she opens her mouth and you can feel her passion in what she's doing. That's her branding. That's her marketing. None of you are commodities. All of you are brands. What you hear people say about you the most, that's what they see when they see you. In their minds, that's what they see. That's what they hear, that's what they feel. <laughs> Wisdominator. That's your new name, Vestie. <laughs> the wisdominator. That's that that 
Um, that's that's new. That is definitely new. But what is it that your audience? That's it. That's also the importance of feedback. Your feedback is letting you know what your audience sees when they see you. Because that's how you're branding yourself. What can you do to make sure that your brand stays strong? And y'all hear me say this all the time, but I always go back to Nike because if you if you really look at their brand, Nike has been a strong brand for a long time, but over the years, look how they have progressed in their brand. They're selective on how they brand themselves. They stick with their passion when they brand themselves. Their marketing has never changed. Their branding has never changed. It's always been about the little people. Yes, they show the, those who are athletic running up and down stairs, running on treadmills, but listen to the stories that go along with that. Nike is always telling stories. And their stories hit the hearts of the ones who want to run up and down those stairs, but aren't there yet. They're letting them know, no, that drive and that passion and that burning sensation that you're feeling, go with that. They're branding themselves for those who are not there yet, but they're getting there. So what, what is your brand telling people? Is your brand strong enough to survive anything or are you just a commodity? Are you just something that when people walk into the store, there's a whole refrigerated section full of you? Or are you that exclusive brand that when they walk onto your car lot, there's only a handful of you there? Are you a gallon of milk or are you a Lamborghini? Are you mass produced or does your brand stand out so strong that no matter what is going on, they're going to look for you? No matter what virus, no matter what politics are going on, no matter what's going on, they're searching for your brand. So ladies and gentlemen, are you a brand or are you a commodity? Yes, sir, Mr. Phil. <clears throat> you mentioned car dealers. And, and I, I, when I work with car dealers, and they're, they're an interesting group. I had a friend of mine who specialized in car dealers. And when I was first starting off, I says, I think I want to work with car dealers. He said, really, Phil? He said, yeah. He says, Phil, have you ever been to prison? I said, yeah, I've been to prison. I have been in prison, but I've been to prison. He said, there's a lot of cool people in prison. And I said, yeah, they made a mistake. They're going to pay their dues. They're going to get out. And they're going to try to make a better, better life for themselves. And he said, and then there's a lot of bad people in prison. I go, yeah, there's some people you wouldn't want to turn your back on. He says, but remember one thing, they're all prisoners, which means there's some really good car dealers and there's some really bad car dealers, but they're all car dealers. But I would train car dealers to position themselves as transportation advisors. I don't sell cars. I analyze your transportation needs, and through my expertise, I try to hook you up with the, with the car that best fits your needs. And how I learned about this is I had the guy that I bought cars from. I, buy, I probably bought 80% of my cars from him since I was 18 years old. I would call him up. I would tell him what I wanted. He would find it, and I would buy it. And I would never negotiate price with him because I felt he was going to give me the best price he can and still make his money. And I said, that's what you have to position yourself in that people trust. They trust you so much that they respect your opinion. They expect your advice. They, 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 uh, they love your counsel, but they're willing to come to you time and time again to ask you for help. And when you can position yourself in the marketplace that way, then it's called the law of attraction as opposed to the law of promotion. And ladies and gentlemen, that is also branding. 
you're you're doing more than just branding your company you're branding who you are your company is you you are your company so do we have any questions any questions any comments the floor Yes, ma'am. Hey, Miss Diana. Hello, everyone. Hey. Um, I guess, Diana, like, I have a, I guess, a question. Like, with trying to make myself more positive, I guess, um, in a way that kind of makes me different from everyone else to become that commodity um, or just kind of really set my sights to differentiate myself from those that are doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. What would you like just off the top of your head? What do you think I can do to better brand? Stay you. Don't don't try to be better. Just be you. Because your your brand literally your brand is you. Your you are your natural being brands you. And then you're also going you're also taking it further and you're doing the conferences online as well. Continue to do that. Being who you are, you're just like Phil and Susan said, when you genuinely care for someone, when you, when you genuinely want to see others succeed, when you genuinely want to see others heal, that differentiates you off top. Because who you naturally are comes out. Every, it, it's been said to you over and over again. You have a, your smile. When you smile, the whole screen lights up. That's part of your branding. That's part of your marketing. It makes you approachable. It differentiates you from others. So anything that comes to your heart, and there's a reason why I'm saying your heart and not your mind, anything that comes to your heart, that's what you do because that's what's going to differentiate you. So stay, yeah, so stay, stay on your path. Your, your positivity is natural. So you don't have to try to be more positive. Just be who you are. And it will naturally ooze out of you. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. I hope that answers your question. It does. Does anyone else have any questions or any comments? All right. Hold on, my bad, Deanna. I was trying to get that <laughs> mic open. Hold up. <laughs> I'm going to show my face, too. As you guys know, I'm in my car, as usual, because I like driving. And gas is cheap right now. But, so, like, I like that last question, because I feel like I have an issue where, like, my thing is, like, I always find myself getting pulled into, like, a self-pity party. Like, I be having an awesome day. And I don't know how there's some word, if the smallest thing don't go my way, I'm like, I throw the whole day away. And uh, I like that you were saying to her, it's almost like you have to smile because it literally lights up the, the screen. And to her, that is a fact. Like, I know when I see you guys smile on this screen, it makes me smile. I, I tend to like flip through the, through the screens just to see the smiles. And I love how Miss Susan Sorrentino's picture have that smile. So, like, all the time, like, even though it's a picture, you know how they say when you stare at people, um, you know, take a picture, it'll last longer? <laughs> Literally. That, that in itself, it works. And uh, just keep smiling. I'm saying that to you, but I'm also saying that to me. I kind of answered my own question there. <laughs> but, yes, I just wanted to share that information as well. James? Your brand is you got killer dimples. Say that again. Your brand is you've got killer dimples. Dimples, don't you got dimples? Isn't that a dimple I see there on your left cheek? On your right cheek there? Like, I mean, those are deep. 
that's funny that you say that. Everyone tends to like just walk up and poke my face, like you know, coronavirus don't exist. I'm just yeah. Well, when you wake when you wake up in the morning, dust is settled in there. You got to use a tip to clean them out. So, but thank you for the compliment. And a smile is free. It it's free to give away. And every day when I'm out and about, I make sure to smile at everyone that I see. Uh, you know, I'll go to the nursing homes and, and talk to people and, and just smile. And they smile back and, and then, you know, start a conversation. So smiling, we all can do that. And, you know, you got that added dimple. So everyone wants to see you smile. But look, don't touch. Right? Hey, I do have a question for Phil. Sorry to switch so quickly. It just this thought just came to me, which was um, talking to people in the prisons. How do you go about that? Is that something you could just do, or or do you have to be qualified for that? Well, I just got happened to run into a lady that what she did was help prisoners once they get out of prison to re I forget what it's called now reenter the, the the private world. And when I told her what I did, I said, I'd love to do something for your prisoner. She says, we don't have any budget. I said, well, I'll do it for free. She says, you're kidding me. I said, no, it'd be an honor. You just go and you, you, you go and you ask people, you say, I have this message. I'd like to deliver it to this audience. Here's, here's my stuff. You know, here's my one sheet. Here's my testimonials. Here's my message. Here's the handouts I would use. And let me come talk to your people because I, I believe I can make a difference in their lives. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. That is something I need to uh, jump into for my sakes of getting started with speaking. I feel like every day that I don't speak, I'm not using my gift faithfully. I don't want to be a speaker as much as I want to do something totally different. But I believe speaking will open the doors for all the other stuff I want to do. Yeah. Well, we're growth, profit, and enjoyment advisors. Speaking is just one of the tools we use to get the results. So speaking is just one of the vehicles that we use. But remember, when I started this back in 1981, many of you on this call weren't even born then, uh, I have socks older than you. Uh, but they didn't even have an internet. So there was, I, I had to just go out there and hustle. I mean, I just had to go to meetings. I had to kiss babies, shake hands, and just be out there in the marketplace. Now you can go to Google and find the name, the phone number, the contact person, and then just call them up. Make sure you got your wrap down when you call them up. Make sure you're, you sound professional, you sound confident. You ask them, is this a good time to talk? You know, you, you're very professional when you call people. What, can I email you something and then follow up? So, I mean, it takes work. It's, it's, it's not going to come just by sitting back and not doing anything. It takes going out there and, and kissing babies, shaking hands, and targeting who you want to be in front of. I received that. I need to definitely take action on the being professional. I tend to do all this like around 10 p.m., the worst timing ever. However, I am learning not to do that at 10 p.m. Well, we all have, we all have, call, I believe everybody has what I call call reluctance. And it's the, it's the fear of rejection. But you got to understand, even if they reject, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting your offer. So you just got to not take it personal. But I have call reluctance, which is absolutely stupid. But I have call reluctance. When it's time for me to get on the call, I have to psych myself up. Because nobody wants to be rejected. And I have to switch my thinking to say, again, Phil, they're not rejected. Look at your history of what you've done and how you've made a difference in people's lives. And don't let them, when they say no, you can hear N-O, which is a no of denial. Or you can hear K-N-O-W which maybe you, you don't know something or they don't know something. Who knows what they're going through at that particular point where they don't even, can't even imagine talking to you because 
they just had something happen in their life they got to focus on. They're not going to tell you that because you're some stranger calling them. But then you're going to go, oh, gosh, I don't want to pick up the phone again. But that's how you do it. You've got to be able to want to go through it so that eventually you'll get to where you need to go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Phil. James, did you want to respond to that? I, I literally have to meditate on all of that. There's a, there's a lot of data that went in my head that needs to be processed. <laughs> thank you, Phil. And thank you, Miss Susan, as well. I'll talk slower next time. No, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. I just have some work to do and process it in order. Like thoughts lead to action, which lead to circumstances. All right. And Mr. Donnie, I see your mic is unmuted. Right after Mr. Donnie, Ms. Michelle, I saw your mic was, uh, you had your hand up earlier. And I'm sorry, Mr. Phil, did you want to respond to what James just said? Well, we've used this before, but first of all, your feelings. Where do you feel? And know where you are. Never deny your feelings. That's like putting a sticker on the gas gauge of your automobile and saying, I'm not going to pay any attention to that information and see how far that gets you. Then what do you think about what you feel? Then what do you be, which is being present, or believe, which a belief is a thought you just keep thinking. Then what do you do? That's where the action comes in. Then what do you have based on what you did? And then what do you can give because based on what you have? So it's feel, think, be, do, have, and give. Can you write that one in the notes for me? That I need to screenshot. I realize this is me being transparent. All my life, I tend to not acknowledge how I feel and the way I handle it is by either sweeping it under the rug or handling it the most extreme way possible. Um, small example, like earlier I was saying, if the smallest detail in the day don't go right, I throw the whole day away and start over the next day versus keeping what's good, deciphering the bad, and then continuing on. So that, what you just said about the, the emotional part, I would like that information. Yeah, check out the emotional guidance scale. It's by Esther and Jerry Hicks. It's a 22-point scale that you know where you find out where am I on that 20, like if I'm at 16, which is discouragement. Well, 17 is anger and 15 is blame. So where are you on the scale? And you say, okay, where do I want to go from the scale? Like for instance, four is uh, positive expectations and belief. Five is optimism and three is enthusiasm. So where are you on the emotional guidance scale? And just be honor that because you should never say you shouldn't feel that way. You feel that way, but what are you gonna, where are you gonna go from where you feel? And that's really, it's your choice. And being perfect is being right. Being your best is willing to be wrong. And that's why relieve yourself of the pressure to be perfect. It's a wasted time and energy. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Phil. Thank you very much, James. Uh, Grace put put it in the chat, uh, the Emotional Guidance Scale by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And Miss Adanya, you muted your mic earlier. And then after Miss Adanya, ladies and gentlemen, we have another call to get on. So after Miss Adanya, we will be closing out. The floor is yours, Miss Adanya. Thank you. And I'll, I'll make this quick. I just, I, I, I'm feeling for James because I think he has a talent that he's not giving himself credit for, but just, this is just, I used to work at a prison. Uh, I was married to a military man. And my, one of my jobs um, at one of the bases is I was able to go, I worked at a prison and it's, it's not really easy to get into a prison to speak, but it's not that difficult. And maybe before you start calling, and I'm not suggesting don't call, because you'd be surprised depending on who you connect with. Um, you are a, an African-American male and statistically there are a lot of African-Americans in jail. You really are an asset to show them what outside looks like. And so possibly the way for you to get in is through using social media. Go find out where the officers are on social media. They do have groups 
and just pay attention to what they're, what they're talking about and then solve a problem or give them a suggestion or understand, wow, I, I, I can imagine that's difficult for you, relate to them. And then as they kind of see you and get to know you, then you may say, hey, I love the conversations you guys have. Do any of you have a connection at your facility that might use the skill, the talent that I have? And you go that way. It's because they got to check your background. They got to do a whole lot of other stuff to get you in there to make sure that you are, you know, safe and secure. But you, you got it. So speak what you know and why you want to do that and utilize that. And that may open a door for you that you will never be, you, did, you wouldn't have been aware of. Um, I bet you got it. You just have to believe you got it. Thank you, Ms. Adanya. Thank you very much, Ms. Adanya. Absolutely. Ms. Adanya, thank you for that as well. I do know the last words I read in this book was, you have to believe in yourself. You have to. And that it's like the only way to go to the next level, you know, we all believe in God and God created us, but we can't believe in ourselves. So we have to believe in ourselves just as much as we believe in our deities. So thank you for that. And that was just a reassurance to, to take the next step. All right, Ms. Adanya, you're welcome to respond to James. Actually, I was going to send him a private message, but all I was going <laughs> to say to that is, if you want to have a, a conversation, I'll, I'll, I got pom-poms. I'll be the best cheerleader you can have because and there's nobody in this group that doesn't believe that you can do this because you wouldn't be talking about it. You have a passion for it. You can tell. You can tell in how you're speaking about, you know, the words that you're using about being positive, but you, you, you kind of see the, the maybe the negative potentially. You know what to do. You need someone to continue pushing you and getting you straight. As soon as you go to the left, no, 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 we'll, we'll turn you back to the right. So stay in the group. But if you want to reach out to me, I, I don't know what I have, but I, I'll talk you through or out or in or around or whatever you need to. I promise you, just your face. And I know that sounds maybe not appropriate, but I'm not trying to do it appropriate. Just because of who you are and what you look like, I'm telling you, they need you. And you need to let them know you need me because you got to show people what it looks like on the outside. Some of some are, some are going to be there forever. They're lifers and they're not going to get out, but you, you're, you're selling hope and you're selling possibility. Everybody makes mistakes. Give them hope that you're one day, maybe you'll get out here and you got to be able to work in society. You can tell them that. And they have ministries inside of the prisons. I'm, I'm part of Toastmasters and we went to the prison. We have a Toastmasters within a prison. And I love going there. And you see some beautiful people. You can do this, James. You got this. I promise you, you got this. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Danya, James. Um, we are going to, I hate to cut this, but we, we're going to go ahead and transfer over to having fun while getting paid to speak with Phil and Susan Sorrentino. So James, you should be receiving that information shortly. So you can join, um, join that, that training as well. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And remember, are you a brand or are you a commodity? Thank you so much for joining us this evening. In the words of our CEO, you can plant better, you can dominate. Good night, everyone. See you shortly. You should really be famous for every tear you've ever cried, for everything that's ever happened to you, for all the abuse you've ever been through, for the divorce you've ever been through. You should absolutely be famous for that. Yeah, that's how I think. As a matter of fact, that's how most of us great motivational speakers or platform speakers we are. I speak over 400 times a year. I command over $40,000 a keynote. $40,000 a keynote. I can make $30,000 in 30 minutes, all because my story was one of tragedy and I've learned how to take it to one of great wealth. I wanna teach you that. 
I want to give to you free, no risk, no charge, no credit card needed. Free 20 hours of how to get famous for telling your story. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plan better. You can dominate. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1% and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now and they all wanna learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires, right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family. My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today. Not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. 
Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually, for me, to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is, I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10X your retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I wanna send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom and I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost, I'll take the loss and all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plan better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. 
not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True, but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the, if it's, if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about, well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, all spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, and I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.